Happy Sabbath once again. Happy Sabbath, everybody. As I said during the prayer time, uh, today we are, we're going to learn about the power of peace. I was talking to somebody earlier on that one of the challenges of preaching so often is that sometimes you have to preach about things that you are chasing after like everybody else. But here's the beauty of it. If ever you're struggling with something, sometimes it disqualifies you from being the one who talks about it. But then there are times when you might just be the right person to do it. This is one of those topics. The pursuit of peace or the power of peace is going to be our focus today. If you're here for the first time, welcome. God bless you. A couple of faces we haven't seen in a while. Thank you for coming to worship with us. We ask that God would give you that which you seek the most, and that is peace. The series is Vision 2020. In other words, how do you start the year? How do you get yourself ready for whatever comes ahead of you? We have discussed three things already from the scriptures. As I said, my focus has been every book in the Bible that has a chapter 20, verse 20. Does anybody remember the verse for the sermon for the first week of the year? Something, something. And that is why the pastor is chasing for peace right now. Exodus 20, verse 20. Right? Exodus 20, verse 20. What was the second one? Second Chronicles. Yeah, see, the chapter and the verse is easy because I gave that to you. What, what was the third one? Last week, what was it? New Testament. First book. Starts with an M. Yes, Matthew 20, verse 20. Today we are in the Gospel of John. John 20, verse 20. So go to your Bible. We're going to read John 20, verse 20. Now, I must say that not every verse is exciting, but there's always a message. I want to focus on John 20, verse 20, but I'm going to read the verses before and after for the sake of context. So, John 20, verse 19 to verse 23. I'm reading from the KJV version because it sounds a little bit better than my usual NLT. Here we go. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said unto them, Peace be unto you. And when he had said so, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples, then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Put a pin on that passage. They got glad when they saw the scars. Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you. Second time he says it in the same place. As my Father has sent me, even so send I you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. And verse 23. Whosoever sins ye remit, they are remitted unto them, and whosoever sins ye retain, they are retained. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. Amen. The power of peace. I've been reading some interesting books outside of religious circles to try and get a picture of what the world thinks about peace. And I want to tell you that there are actually 
some commonalities between what the world wants and what the Bible teaches. The only problem is the path to get there. Here's an interesting statement that I came across. In fact, I reworded it into my own so that I can make a point to you. A lot of people think that the enemy of peace is war or the opposite of peace is war. In fact, there are over 700 antonyms or words that are opposite of peace. Amongst them, discomfort, disappointment, chaos, combat, whatever it is that is negative, that uh, robs you of peace, is the opposite of it. But I want you to know something. The enemy of peace is not war, it is fear. Fear usually is the catalyst of war. Think about it. Do nations build arsenals of weapons because they want peace or because they're preparing for war? What do you think? Do, do, you, do you think? Do nations parade their navies and their weapons of mass destruction because they're promoting peace or are they preparing for war in the name of peace? A lot of you have walls around your houses. If you stay in an apartment, you lock the door, you have an alarm system. Do you do that because you love alarms or because you're afraid? And you should lock your door no matter how much faith you have. Fear is the motivation most of the time. And whenever there's fear, it robs people of their peace. And we see this in the passage today. John 9, 2019, the Bible tells us that the disciples have got together on, uh, it says, on the evening of the first day of the week. If you use the biblical understanding of evening and morning, it is not Sunday evening, it is Saturday evening. Because Saturday evening is the dark part of Sunday according to the Bible. So they get together on a Saturday evening and they are together not to worship, not to pray, not to plan. They are together because they are afraid for their lives. Why are they afraid? They're afraid because a few days or a week or so before that, uh, uh, Jesus, not a week, about three or four days before that, Jesus had been arrested, he had been crucified, and he had been put in a tomb. And the natural thought is, if they did that to the master, surely they're coming for us. And so these men have gathered together because of fear. Not to pray, not to encourage, not to uh, uh, motivate each other, but to ask each other what happened. Three and a half years, we were with this dude and we saw him walk on water. We saw him turn a little boy's tuna sandwich into a buffet. We saw him open blind eyes. We saw him turn tables over in the temple. We thought he was the guy who would make everything okay. But on Thursday night, Jesus submitted himself. He was arrested in the garden. And now they're hiding in a room because they're afraid. I want to talk about the power of fear. Because if you can understand the power of fear, you'll understand why you don't have peace. There's a lot of uh, different ways that you can approach the subject of fear. But I've chosen three of them because of time. First of all, the power of fear is that it puts you in survival mode. Think about it. If there was an earthquake and this room started shaking, would everybody stay back and say, Pastor, keep preaching, we're here for the word? <laughs> no. The first thought would be, where's my handbag, where's my child? In that order. Right? Or 
for some people, they'll run outside, stand on the street and be like, where's my wife? Because survival is the instinct that comes because of fear. Now, here's the problem with survival mode. Survival mode is good because by nature, human beings are, are built to survive. That's why we live in houses. That's why we don't walk for five kilometers all the time. We jump into cars because we're trying to survive. We're preserving energy, life and health and all those kind of things. You put your money in the bank, you're trying to survive. Here's the problem with survival. Survival is not living. Survival is what insects do when they're hiding from chickens and birds. What God wants is for you to thrive. That's where peace comes in. Now, if peace is the opposite of fear, if fear puts you in survival mode, that means that peace puts you in growth mode. That's the reason why a man can get arrested, put in prison for life, but rather than getting a bunch of tattoos on his body and killing other people, he gets an education. He gets a law degree, he gets an education degree. He starts teaching and reaching out to people because his motivation is not fear, it's peace. And a peaceful man has an expanded mindset. That is why when Jesus walks into the room, he doesn't say, be of courage. He doesn't say, be brave. He says, be at peace. Second power of fear. Fear causes you to focus on what you can't do. When a big man threatens you, Ricky, five dudes come and they want to they beat you up. The first thought is, well, maybe not you, but me. I'm not trained to deal with five men, right? So you think about what you can do, so you retreat. And the problem with a lot of people, they focus on what they can do. It's always about what they cannot do. I said it last week, I'll repeat it again. I agree with a few group of people, a few authors and scholars, that there's no such thing as a genius. There's only people who work hard and there's people who have a good memory. But this thing is a sponge. It can be trained to remember regardless of your age. Don't ever tell yourself, he's smart, I'm not. Because you can figure it out. Amen, somebody. Be at peace. It's okay. You're not dumb. You're just lazy. <laughs> the power of fear. Focus on the strength of that which you fear. They're bigger than us. They're stronger than us. When the Israelites came to the, to, the, to the borders of Canaan, they saw grapes as big as a man's head. They saw fertile land, everything that God had promised. But what report did they bring back? They are walled cities and they are giants because when you're afraid, you only see that which is greater than yourself. And so fear is never good motivation. And I'm here to tell you that pursuing peace is much better. And you will see why. Here's a statement I read. I, I, I love this so much. Uh, Wayne, Wayne Dyer is an author. He's written a ton of books. And, and one of them is A Changed Mind is a Changed Life. He writes spiritual books. And this is one of the statements from one of his books. He says, peace is the result of retraining your mind to process life as it is rather than how you think it should be. The reason that a lot of people are not at peace, according to his statement, is because you are looking at your life as it should be, not as it is. 
So you are restless, you are depressed, you keep thinking about what you don't have, what you cannot do. You focus on everything that's beyond you, but you don't appreciate what you have. And so you go through life empty and afraid because you think everybody else is better than you. You look at their houses, you look at their cars, you look at their jobs, you look at their families, you look at the abilities that they have, and you look at yourself and you are not at peace. Some of the greatest damage that is done in the world is done by men and women, boys and girls, who are not at peace. Think about it. In class, when your classmate got a good grade, you said bad things about them. When your friend came to school wearing nice shoes, you all spoke about them. Oh, they think they're better than us. What you are doing is you are giving in to fear. And there's no peace. And as you grow up, it gets worse. Gossip is a result of fear. Manipulation is a result of fear. Because if I don't do something, things won't happen. Fear is not your friend. Peace is. Amen, somebody. But I'm here to talk about the peace that God gives. What Wayne Dwyer is talking about is human ability to retrain your mind. It's like a behavioral modification that you do on yourself. Oh no, I'm talking about something higher than that. Verse 19 again, the Bible tells us that while the disciples were afraid, Jesus appeared. You see, it's not only faith that attracts God, even your fear does the same. Just because you don't have faith in him doesn't mean that he abandons you. In fact, the more fearful you are, the closer he comes to you. But you're so afraid that you don't recognize that God is with you. People who are afraid blame, complain, and they murmur. They whine, and all those words that describe the same thing. Because they think God has abandoned them. And I get it, I understand. There are some things in life that we go through that are so tragic no human being can explain how you can get out of it. Somebody experiences the, the most traumatic thing in their life, and here you come, an ignorant human being, and you tell them it will be okay. We appreciate the effort, but guess what? There are certain things you cannot say to help somebody. That is why we need a peace that is beyond human capability. The Bible says that Jesus came. In the midst of them. I told you this last year. I'll say it again. Jesus didn't come into the room through the door. He didn't come into the room through a window. The Bible says he just appeared. He didn't stand outside the circle. If he stood outside the circle. It would have said. You guys are not worth my time. I am here to judge you. But the Bible says. He appeared in the midst of them. That means all of a sudden. He was in between them. And the first thing he said was. Be at peace. Now, from a human perspective, it makes a lot of sense, right? You're, 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 you're scared, you're asking yourselves, oh no, what happened? And then all of a sudden, this human being appears from nowhere. You're going to be afraid a little bit more. So the first thing Jesus says is, be at peace. Then he shows them his hands. Why did he do that? Why did he need to show them his hands? Had his appearance changed? Did he, did he shave during the three days in the grave? Did he have a different hairstyle? Did they not know who he was after three days? Why show them your, his hands? We'll talk about it. The greatest foundation for any type of peace is found in acceptance. The greatest foundation for any type of peace is found in acceptance. What does that mean? In order to feel at peace with another human being, what you want to know is they've forgiven you and that things are good between you. 
Acceptance is a good way of giving somebody a sense of peace. I have seen this in documentaries where a man has killed a family because he's on drugs and he breaks into their home and kills them and then a relative survives, comes to the prison and says, while I am angry at what you did, it is my job to set you free. I forgive you. That sense of forgiveness is what creates peace because acceptance creates peace. So by Jesus coming in between them, he is saying, not only do I love you, I accept you, and I'm here to make things right. Thursday night, the disciples had run away from him. Thursday night, the disciples had said, whatever happens, we got you. We will fight with you until the end. And when Jesus got arrested, everybody ran away. If I was Jesus, I am choosing a new group of men to work with. But this is Jesus we're talking about. He is the embodiment of peace. He is not paranoid. He is not driven by low self-esteem. He believes in what he was doing. And so he comes to this band of broken men and he says to them, peace be unto you. Because he knew if they can have a sense of peace, I can restore them to where they were before. Like I said in the prayer, it is not a new job that you need. It's not a new relationship that you need. It's not a new house or a new car or a new phone or new clothing or shoes. It's a sense of peace. That's what you need. Mm -hmm. Verse 20, and when he had said so, he showed them his hands and side. It means that Jesus is dressed. They didn't wear shirt and trousers. I'm, I'm wondering how did he show them his side? He showed them his hands and then he showed them where the soldier had pierced him. Why does he do that? To creep them out? Why did he do it? Don't answer. I'll tell you. But I'm just going to repeat the question. Right? These men are afraid. The last thing they want to do is go through an, an, an anatomy class. But as he shows them his hands... As he shows them his side, the Bible says, then, then were the disciples glad. Why? Because it, they remembered what he said. He told them he would die and come back again. There's a prejudice in the story that must be pointed out because, again, prejudice is an enemy of peace. And I must tell you why. These disciples already knew that Jesus was alive. Does anybody know how they knew? Anybody know? My brothers and sisters, if you want more peace, read the Bible. They knew because a woman had told them. But in that culture, a woman was not to be trusted. So even though they knew that Jesus was alive from what she said, they were still afraid. Ladies, it's 2020. It ain't like that no more. Be at peace. Just make sure you married the right dude. And so the Bible says that uh, 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 they see Jesus and now they're glad that he's there. But Jesus doesn't stop there. Because peace is not just about acceptance. There's more to it. How do you maintain peace? Here's another one. Peace is demonstrated through action but often needs affirmation through words. In other words, you don't just uh, 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 show somebody that you've accepted them. Saying it helps. It's a, it's a combination acceptance, affirmation, let them know, I forgive you. I don't like what you did, but I forgive you. It's all good. I'm free, set yourself free. So that's why Jesus said, peace be unto you. But it went further. Okay, let me stand up here for this one. True peace comes covered in wounds and scars on the outside, but is beautiful and long-lasting within. 
A lot of people think that to be at peace means to be flawless from head to toe. No scars, no wounds, no tears. People think that when you cry, it means you're not at peace. But here's what I want you to know. That sometimes peace is expressed through tears. When you truly love God, when you've come to the place where there's such an overwhelming sense of his presence, you don't celebrate and say, hashtag life is good. You shed a few tears of joy. Because sometimes peace comes covered in scars. And so when Jesus is showing them his hands, he's basically saying, this is the price I've paid for your peace. What is it that you're praying for right now? What is it that you're wrestling with God about right now? What is it that has happened to you that is making you feel unaccepted and unloved? What is it that has brought on so many universal questions about the love of God? I want you to know that that process, if you stick to it, it will lead you to an everlasting peace that nobody can take from you. I knew a mother back home who lost, she had six sons and a husband. She lost her husband and she lost every single one of her sons year after year. People started talking about her, that she was a witch and that she had cursed the family. But she kept on trusting the Lord through that experience. I've watched two people die. The first one was an 80-year-old man. He died afraid. He was not at peace. He was foaming under the oxygen mask and he died with desperation. But I also saw a woman who had three kinds of cancer die singing one of the oldest hymns ever, Nearer my God to thee until she stopped breathing. That woman had peace. So what I'm saying to you, it's not what happens to you, it's what you do after. Being at peace doesn't mean having a good job, having smart kids and being healthy as ever. It doesn't mean getting what you want. That's not peace. Peace is in spite of what's happening, you are still joyful and grateful. That's why I say that the true type of peace is covered in scars. But on the inside is beautiful and long-lasting. Amen? This is not one of your scream and shout kind of sermons. This, I can see the way you're looking at me. It's like, tell us more, Pastor. Tell us more. Fear, on the other hand. Fear often creates a spotless, perfect exterior. Because people who are afraid, they like to paint a picture of peace. How are you doing? Oh, I'm fantastic. Everything's good. But you're weeping on the inside. You're struggling emotionally. Financially, you're wounded. Your family is falling apart. Your health is falling apart. But you never reach out because it's better to hide than to show. And so on the outside, everything looks good. Everything looks proper. You're beautiful. you got your expensive shoes, your expensive bag. Everybody's following on Instagram, hashtag, whatever. And everything's fine. But on the inside, you are driven by fear. Here's the problem. True peace lasts longer. Fear eventually shows. Michael Cunningham in his book, The Hour, says you cannot find peace by avoiding life. A lot of people don't like conflict. A husband is fighting with a wife. He'll come home late when she's sleeping because he'd rather not talk to her than deal with it. In his mind, that's peace. A child will avoid difficult conversations with a parent because in their mind, that's peace. You cannot avoid life and think that you will have peace. Sometimes you need to fight a war in order to end up at peace. 
That's why Paul says, I die daily. On a daily basis, he's wrestling with sin. He's wrestling with his weaknesses because he knows that at the end of that struggle, war is, is, is peace waiting for him. But what do we do? We avoid confrontation. We avoid any conflict. We avoid any arguments. We avoid any tense-filled conversations because we think we are at peace. But guess what? That's not peace. That is fear disguised as peace. That kind of peace is the kind of peace where uh, you sit here because your enemy is sitting over there. Right? You don't want to confront them. And so when you see them, you're like, Woo, where can I go? You almost want to walk into the wall because you're searching for peace. But think about it. What would happen if you went to them and said, listen, I have a problem with you. Let's talk about this. And if they reject you, guess what? You've done your part. But instead, we keep running. You don't attend family gatherings no more. You don't go to the same uh, 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 restaurant during lunchtime because you don't want to meet that workmate. You sit in a different place in church because you are driven by fear and not peace. But Jesus said to the disciples, peace be unto you. Why? Because they were afraid and fear creates anger. If the disciples are angry, they might do something bad as a revenge. And Jesus said, oh no, be at peace. Are you guys with me? Are, are you sure? Because you, you're in zombie mode right now. Okay. Then said Jesus unto them, Peace be unto you, second time. As my Father has sent me, even so send I you. Jesus doesn't wait like a month or so for them to calm down. He, he doesn't wait a week. The very first encounter, he says, Peace be unto you, let's get back to work. Some of you are like, oh, Pastor, I need a year. It's been so rough in 2019. I'll do the elder thing next year. Let me just figure some stuff out. Let me just figure something out for now. I, I, I need to find peace. Because peace is not found in service. But Jesus said, gentlemen, let's get back to work. Listen to the statement. Peace is the best springboard for service, mission, and vision. When a group of people are at peace, they get more done. But if you're driven by fear and chaos and problems, nothing comes out of it. Because in a group of men who are driven by fear, in a group of people who are driven by fear, each one has a different way of thinking and nothing can get done. And so Jesus said, these men are different. Literally a week before, they were fighting about who's in charge and who will be the greatest in the kingdom. Now they're afraid. Nothing ever good comes out of that. And so he says to them, I'm giving you peace, a double portion, let's get back to work. Okay, let me show you. Maybe you think that, that that's just made up. In the book of Ephesians, chapter 6, we have what is known as the armor of God. From head to toe, Paul describes the Christian life using the ancient armor of a knight. The breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, and the shield of faith. And one of them is the shoes. Listen to what he calls them. Verse 15. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. Why does he refer to the act of spreading the gospel as an act of peace? Why does he call it an act of peace? I was looking for a pair of shoes that were written peace on him. This is what I found. Not the best. Not the best pair. Not the best pair. He's basically saying, wherever you go, Wherever you go, 
And this is not about being a missionary or a pastor. This is about everyday life. Wherever you go, oh brother and sister, make sure that the message, the demeanor, the words, the life, the actions that you carry leave peace wherever you are. Amen. Praise God. Like I said, we are naturally bent towards chaos. Think about it. I, I love to refer to marriage because I'm married. And sometimes you have an argument with your spouse. In your mind, the words that come out duck. Honey, I'm sorry. I won't do that again. That's in your mind. But when your big mouth opens, it's who do you think you are? You're no better. That's not what I thought about. We are built around chaos. That's not what I say to my wife, by the way. It's actually worse than that. So here's the thing. Here's the thing. If you can... He says the, the gospel of peace. He calls the message of Christ peace. Why is the message of Christ peace? Because we didn't have to do what he did. We didn't have to go through what he went through. We didn't have to die on the cross because he did it. And he did it even before we were grateful. The song said, I love you because you loved me first. Everything that God expects of you is what he has done already. If he says, have faith in me, he's got reasons for that. If he says, love me, it's because he's loved you already. If he says, be at peace, it means he's able to give you peace. But for us, it's, how can I be at peace? I don't have the job. I don't have the life. I don't have the stuff. I can't be at peace because I'm not like so-and-so. And God is like, that's not how it works. Be at peace. But we love war. So every day we put on shoes of war. We want to get to work first because we want the promotion. We want to get along with the boss so that the boss likes us. We want the girl so we fight for attention. We want more likes and comments. So we are always fighting. It's always, it's always a battle. Who got the bigger this and who got the bigger that? Whose church got more members and who preaches better? We think about things in the context of war, but never peace. And so as you're looking at 2020, you're planning your life and you're thinking, who can I step over? Who can I bypass? And then at the end of the year, you're wondering, why do I feel empty? Because you're driven by chaos and not by peace. Mm -hmm. Keep thinking, keep thinking. <laughs> Those who are not at peace spend more time searching for peace rather than serving people. Think about it. When you are tormented, when you're going through an experience, it's hard to be there for other people. And it's understandable. You're trying to figure some stuff out. There are parents who've checked out of parenting. There are spouses who've checked out of the marriage because they need peace. Pastor, I'm trying to find myself and all I hear every day is ke -ke 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 -ke. I need peace right now. And so you check out because you're looking for something that's right in front of you. Peace is not found in isolation. Peace is found in the right relationships. Don't ever forget that. Peace is not merely a distant goal. That, oh, Martin Luther King Jr. says, peace is not merely a distant goal that we seek, but it's a means by which we arrive at that goal. That is confusing. Let me help you understand what that means. So imagine the black circle is a heart. Should I have made the circle red? Yes, I should have. But it's a black heart. It's a heart, even though it's a circle, and it's black. Imagine your heart is that circle. Let me go up here. Maybe it's better to... Because I, I really want you guys to get this. I'm going to take my time. Imagine that this is your heart. And you have peace. If you did your job from a place of peace, 
you were able to do more. If you bought things from a place of peace, you might buy the right things and other things you don't need. If your heart was filled with peace and all these other things that we chase after, I, I can just fill the screen with 10 of them, but there's a whole bunch more. If you are driven by a peaceful sense of heart and you chase after these things, you will go further. Your resolutions won't die with Jesus at Easter. You'll make it all the way to December. But if peace is what you are chasing after, then you fill your heart with work, possessions, relationships, health, money, spirituality. You keep filling your heart with all these things because you want peace. Guess what happens? When you don't get the job, you don't get the relationship, you don't feel at peace. Because you've made peace the goal and not the motivation. If you understand, let me hear you say amen. Are you sure you're getting it? Right? Because like I said before, we, we go for yoga, we go to church, we join groups online, we join all these meetup groups because we're looking for peace. But God is like, I can give it to you. You can look for a job from a place of peace. You can look for a partner from the place of peace. But rather, we make peace the destination because we're looking in the wrong place. Peace is not found in a job. It's not found at the end of a movie. It's not found at the end of a cigarette. It's not found at the bottom of a bottle. Peace is found from above. Those things are temporary. Verse 22, and when he had said this, he breathed on them and said unto them, receive he the Holy Ghost. I want you to track the, the process. He began by accepting them, by standing in between them. And then he said unto them, peace be unto you. You guys good? You're good? Okay, let's get to work. And then he says, now you can receive the Holy Spirit. Because the Spirit of God cannot reside in a heart that is not at peace. The Spirit of God can make, cannot make your heart a place of a home because there's too much chaos. Peace within attracts power from above. Peace within attracts power from above. That is why I said it again last week, the greatest men and women to ever live, they had mastered the ability of being at peace. There are people who are making a difference in the world. People comment about their lives. They comment about how they're dressed. They comment about their families. But they just keep trudging on, doing what they've been called to do. Why? Because they're at peace. Whosoever sins he remit, they are remitted unto them. And whosoever sins he retain, are retained. First of all, disclaimer, the verse is not saying you have the power to forgive people of their sins. You have the power to forgive people of the things they've done to you, but you don't have the power to forgive another human being of their sins. Are we clear? That verse is not saying you get to remove their sins in heaven. That's not what it means. It simply means that whenever you reach out to people with the gospel, whenever you show people the, the, the gifts and the offers of heaven, when you show people what God is able to do, you essentially are holding the power in your hands to forgive them. If you don't tell people that God loves them, they'll never feel loved. If you don't tell people that God forgives, they'll never feel forgiven. That is why angels don't preach the gospel, you and I do. You underestimate the power that you have on people. 
Religion has affected politics, relationships. Religion has turned the world upside down. Why? Because we are driven by a vacuum that's within us. So when you don't talk about God wherever you are, and people keep behaving the way they behave, don't be surprised. The world is the way it is, not because of the world, but because the church went silent. We gathered into churches, we closed the doors, and we played our drums, and we sang our songs, but that's all we did. We put a check mark. I went to church, tick, go back to the office and make more money. No peace. So my brothers and sisters, you have the ability to forgive people. You have the ability to give people access to the peace that you seek. Last statement. Your peace is the key that sets others free. People cannot see God. People cannot see God, but they can see you. My sister, I've given you an idea of how to answer your son's question. Right? I've never seen God. Yes, but you can see people. You are God to somebody. You are God to somebody. So when you are not at peace, when, you, when your life is chaotic, they look at you and they think, mm, this Adventist thing, eh, eh, your, your truth is awesome, but your lifestyle, that's not for me. And they keep going. So the moment you start living peace, other people see it. They get happy. They get excited. Because God is good. Amen. The peace of God makes the vision clear. The peace of God makes the vision clear. Let's talk about this. What is it that you're trying to get over from last year? What is it that you're trying to pursue this year? What is it that you're trying to accomplish? If your heart is not at peace and you're driven by fear, you will bring up the old stuff. Oh, last year was bad. This year is going to be bad. I've tried it before. It will fail. Our past, I've tried to serve God. I've tried to live the righteous life, but it's not for me. It's difficult. Yes, it is. It's difficult because you're thinking about it through the eyes of fear. But if you're at peace, what peace says is, I'm not perfect. A man at peace has accepted he's not perfect. I'm not holy. I'm not righteous. I have no abilities on this earth that reflect God. But here's the thing. God does. God does. And that's why he says, peace be unto you. Peace is a gift. If you didn't understand anything that I said, including my black heart, remember, peace is a gift. Stop praying for all these other things and just wake up in the morning and say, Lord, I need peace. Don't ask your partner for peace. They can't give it to you. Your spouse can shut up for a month. You still won't be at peace. Because now you'll be asking yourself, what is she thinking? You cannot get peace from your children's school grades. Let me come closer, my Asian brothers and sisters. Your kids' A plus is not going to give you peace. Peace comes from Jesus. Amen. <sighs> this was fun. Your silence has been amazing. I am not intimidated by your silence, my brothers and sisters. I have shared what I needed to share. Now I have a question. I have a question. Do you really, really want peace? I mean, I mean the kind of peace that allows you to be in the eye of the storm every single day. None of this, I'm happy because things are good. When things go bad, oh, woe is me. You've you got to get to the place where you're centered. Right? The world calls it Zen or whatever it is. If you want peace, stand to your feet.
That's the final message for Vision 2020. If you don't respond to this one, I cannot help you. Think about it. These men have been insulted for three and a half years. The leaders have never accepted them. You have no idea what it's like to preach a message and the leaders of that message don't support you. That's difficult. And then just when they thought that fame and glory were on the way, Jesus allows himself to be arrested. Put yourself in their shoes. Put yourself in their shoes. He has made so many promises about, about uh, glory and eternity and all of a sudden he's arrested. But seven times Jesus told them, I'm going to die and three days later I'll come back. But their minds were not driven by a peace. They were driven by fear. Fear makes people forget. And that's why when bad things happen, you think God doesn't love you. Because fear creates amnesia. But I'm saying, start working on having the kind of peace that comes from above. You work on that. I cannot give it to you. I can describe it. I can illustrate it. But I cannot give it to you. But I'm confident in saying this, that to the one who opens themselves up wholeheartedly, God gives it to them. So please, don't go through 2020 driven by fear, paranoia, suspicion, driven by this need to step on other people. Be driven by peace because great is he who is at peace. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Heads bowed, eyes closed. I have one more. I have one more. The formula for peace is Christ. There's somebody in this room right now that needs to accept Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior. You've been skating through this experience, just avoiding the question. But I'm telling you right now, if you need peace, you need to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior. There's somebody right now who has not done it wholeheartedly. You have not surrendered everything of yourself to him. You keep looking to everybody else for spirituality. You keep looking to everybody else to embody what it means to be a Christian. But it's time you took some responsibility. Because even though you admire other people, their experience will never help you in your time of need. So I'm here to tell you, you need Jesus. If that's you, I want you to pray about it. We have a form at the back. You can put your name. Pastor, I want Bible study. I want to be baptized. I want prayer. I need help. Put it down there and we will help you. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I am not qualified, nor am I the ambassador to speak about peace. But what I do know is that your word is filled with examples of peace. And the scripture that we have read today is such an embodiment because Christ himself is the one that gives peace. He is able to come in the worst of storms. And I know for somebody just hearing that, it's still not resonating. But thank you because I know you accept them with their fears. Fear has not kept you away. Doubt has not kept you away. You keep coming back and you keep trying to reach out. And I know that through this word, you're reaching out to somebody. And you're saying to them, in spite of what you're going through, in spite of what you have gone through, my peace is still available. Peace doesn't mean you always have to live with the emptiness and that's who you are. Peace means get ready for the blessing that's coming. Get ready for the thing that God is going to replace the tragedy with. Get ready for God to send somebody to show you that what you lost was deep. It was, it was tragic, but, but now God is saying, I got something better for you. And I'm asking the people that are in this room, open up your heart to God. Open up his heart. 
open up your heart to him. Allow him to come in. He says, I knock. I want to come in and eat with you. Eating with somebody is a sign of being at peace with them. Lord, I pray that this word will reach in the deepest parts of our hearts where darkness has resided for too long. That this message will reach in the deepest part of our heart where anger, resentment, and fear have made their home. Being at peace doesn't mean be weak. Being at peace doesn't mean be timid. Being at peace means being in control. And so I pray for somebody today. Help them to have peace. Lord, as the offerings are collected, we pray that we may give from a place of peace, knowing that the gospel is going to go out and more souls are going to be called into the kingdom. This is our privilege. We get to open heaven to people who are in search of, of forgiveness, in search of peace, in search of grace, in search of love. We have access to that. And so as we give, let us be at peace that it is being used for the right thing. In Jesus' name, let everybody say amen and amen.